worship the Lord together. We are in the middle of a sermon series entitled Get Smart. We are taking a look at the book of Proverbs together. Proverbs is a a source book for wisdom. We're defining wisdom as the God-given ability to make good decisions. It always comes from God, wisdom does. It's applied knowledge. Some people say wisdom is applied knowledge. But you apply knowledge at any moment when you have to make a decision. And that is why we're looking at Proverbs to help us make good decisions in the Lord. Today we're going to talk about friendship. Of all of the skills of wisdom, friendship is one of those skills. It's a skill that some people have very, very well and some people don't do so well at this particular skill. But when it comes to friendship, there are important decisions to make. You have decisions to make about who you let into your life, who you allow to influence you, and also decisions about the kind of influence, the kind of friend that you will be. And the scriptures say much about friendship, especially in the book of Proverbs. So open your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, if you would turn to Proverbs. First chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24 is where we will begin with this message. This verse is an amazing verse, and we'll start with this thing right off the bat. Proverbs 18, 24 is actually a difficult verse to translate. So if you compare translations, they may read very differently, but I think you'll get the gist of what the Word of God is trying to say here about a particular kind of friend. So I want to read it with you together from the the, the message translation. This is from the message. Read these words together with me from the screen. Friends come and friends go, but a true friend sticks by you like family. Friends come and friends go, but a true friend sticks by you like family. In other words, in Scripture, in the book of Proverbs, there is an unstoppable kind of friend, an unstoppable kind of friendship. I want to know that kind of friendship. I think everybody does. In the New Testament, Paul talks about three things. He says there are three things that abide, three things, and they are faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. These three things abide, and the greatest of these, Paul says, is love. Faith, hope, and love. Well, in Baptist life, or at least in the South, uh, we've sort of replaced those three things with our three things. Whenever you read our bulletins, when you listen to our announcements, if we're going to do anything, if Christians are going to have an event, we always want to tag three words with our events. Whatever it is, we figure if we promise these three things, people will show up. What are they? Faith, hope, and love? No. Food, fun, and fellowship. Food, fun, and fellowship, these three things abide, and the greatest of these is, don't you say food, don't you say food. (laughs) Greatest of these, I guess, is fellowship. Food, fun, and fellowship. Who's the first person to string those three words together? I have no idea. But you cannot open a bulletin in a Christian church. You can't listen to an announcement from a Christian if they don't promise you that if you come, you will have food, fun, and fellowship. We're having a chili supper. Please come and enjoy Food, fun, and fellowship. We're having a bowling party with the youth. Everybody come out and enjoy food, fun, and fellowship. I I am sure, I I know that one day I will die. And when I die, you good people will all get together and you will plan my funeral. And then you will, with my family, of course, put the arrangements in the newspaper and everybody will read the announcement in the newspaper of my death and my funeral. And you will say, uh, Reverend Harris's funeral will be at Woodburn Baptist Church, 2 o'clock on Saturday. Everybody come and enjoy Food, fun, and fellowship. Yeah. 
That sounds nice. Thank you all. That, that, that'll be real nice. What is it about those three words and especially that word fellowship? We don't talk much about friendship. We like the word fellowship. It's, a, it's fellowship, it's Christian, and it's got to be good. When I was in college, we were, uh, of course, a number of us active in, in the Baptist student group there. And we got it in our heads, God help us, we got it in our heads that we wanted to have a dance. Did I mention that we're Baptists? We wanted to have a, a, a dance. We wanted the Baptist Student Union to have a dance on campus. So we went to the director and we asked him, could we perhaps have a dance? What do you think he said? No, no. You know, Baptists don't dance. You cannot have a dance. So we came back, we regrouped, and we came back with a second idea. We went to our director and we said, could we have a foot fellowship? Could we have a foot fellowship? And we did. Yeah. Just don't call it dancing, call it foot fellowship. Yeah, we had a foot fellowship. Actually, the way we moved, you shouldn't have called it dancing anyway. It was a foot fellowship. But if you put the word fellowship in there, we're going to like it. We talk a lot about fellowship. We don't use the word friendship so much. But no matter what you call it, call it friendship, call it fellowship. We all need it. We all need it. God created us with, with this incredible, almost insatiable desire to connect with people, just like we have this human desire for food and for water. In the same way that we have this, this human de desire for, for sustenance, physical sustenance, we have this desire, this innate need for connection, for, for a kind of social sustenance. We need people. We need love in our lives. And God made us this way. I don't care who you are. I don't care how outgoing you think of yourself as being. I don't really care at this point how many friends you think you have. I'm just trying to point out that God made you with this need. And it is a human need. And we're all the same in this need. We need people. God made us this way. Now, the fact is God didn't make us for friends simply because God wanted us to be social. That's not the point. It, it is true that we have social needs and that God cares about those needs. But honestly, our social needs are, are not the reason we were created. Our lives are not all about social relationships, I, I promise you. Our lives are to be about love, though. It is this desire that we have to know and experience love. This is what God gives us. But our desire for connection and relationship, it's really not about people. It is about God. Friendship, fellowship is about God. And it is about our need for God. See, the truth is I am created for love, but not just for the love of my spouse or the love of my son or for the love of other people. I am created to know and love God. I am created to know and love God, and by knowing him and loving him, he transforms me so that I can be like him. This is why God created me, to know and love him. But here's the thing. As God's love begins to fill my heart, as God's love begins to transform me to be more and more like him every day, there's something about love. It just longs to be shared. It overflows from the believer's heart into the lives of everybody around her, everybody around him. Love just simply longs to be shared. 
so that when you read scripture, it is true that we're created to know and love God, but at the same time, we can't possibly know and love God if we don't also know and love other people. When we come to Christ, the scriptures say we are baptized into his body, into his body of people, the body of believers. The the fact is, I can't say I have a friend in Jesus if I don't also have a friend in all of you. It becomes all connected together. So I want you to understand that friendship, fellowship, this is a spiritual matter, a spiritual issue. And if you have friendship problems, relationship problems, they are always spiritual problems. Because the need for connection, the need for friendship, that's a spiritual need. So why don't we use the word friendship? Why is it that in in churches among believers, we always use this word fellowship? We don't talk very much about friendship. Are they really two very, very different things? I I don't know. The word fellowship is more of a spiritual sounding word. It's related to the Greek word for sharing, deep sharing. Maybe as believers, we always reach for another word. We don't use the friendship word. We go for fellowship because we want to communicate that what we have found together in Christ is deeper, richer, more important than the kinds of friends that come and go, as the proverb says. Friendships come and go, but there is a friend, a kind of friend, unstoppable, who sticks with you like family. I guess we use the word fellowship because we want to communicate that, 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 listen, what Christ makes possible between us, the love that he puts in your heart for me and the love in my heart for you is way beyond anything we could ever know if we didn't know Christ In other words, in the church, when we promise food, fun, and fellowship, we're trying to offer people something they can't find anywhere else. You can't have relationships anywhere like you can have in the body of Christ. We call it fellowship. But no matter what you call it, friendship, fellowship, it really needs to be genuine. It really needs to be genuine. And this is where we as church folks really have gotten ourselves into trouble. For all of the promises we've made of fellowship, lots of times we haven't delivered. We've not delivered very well. Just this past week, I read a statistic from a survey of non-churched people. Now, when I say unchurched, non-churched people, I don't know what you think about. But understand, what we're finding is that a whole lot of the people that are not in church, at least in the state of Kentucky, a whole lot of those people used to go to church whole lot of the people who don't go to church out there, they used to go to church. And the fact is, they just don't go now. They choose not to go to church now. And four out of ten of them say it's not because of Jesus. It's not that they went to church, they heard the gospel, and somehow they turned away from Jesus. That's not what they say at all. Four out of ten of every non-church person, four out of ten of those people say that the reason that they no longer go to church is because of church people. In other words, they came to church, they heard this promise of fellowship, this promise of love, love like no other, friends that stick closer than family. But once they got closer to the church people, they realized that that's not exactly how it is. Four out of ten do not go to church because they've been to church and they got hurt. They got disappointed. They got mistreated. They were not loved very well and they figured, who needs it? Who needs it? Well, we all need it. 
We need love. We need friendship. We need the kind of friendship that's spoken about in the book of Proverbs. Friends come and friends go. We all recognize that. But there is a friend, a kind of friend, unstoppable who sticks with you like family through thick, through thin, whatever circumstances of life, that friend will be there. I'm telling you, if they can't come to church and find one or two friends like that, then I don't exactly know why they should come either. If we can't make the love of Jesus real and practical in real life friendships, then I don't know that we know much about the love of Jesus at all. Call it fellowship, call it friendship, but let it be real. Let it be genuine. Let's talk a second about what makes it genuine. Turn back in Proverbs chapter 27. Two verses in Proverbs 27. This is good stuff. Proverbs chapter 27, first verse 17. What makes a friendship genuine? Proverbs chapter 27, 17 says this. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. This is the word of God talking about friendship. And so honestly, when the word of God talks about friendship, it's different from what you find anywhere else. When most people think about their friends or when they count their friends, they're not necessarily thinking about this kind of situation. When you ask people how many friends they got, they'll tell you how many Facebook friends they have, and the answer is 20,000 or something like that. And honestly, we use the word friend in strange ways these days. But understand the way the scripture uses the word friend. This is what happens when friends get together, real friends, true friends. It's like iron sharpening iron. Have you ever sharpened iron? Can you picture what the scripture is talking about? When iron sharpens iron, what happens? Sparks fly. Splinters fall to the ground. Rough edges get get polished away, ground away. Metal screams. I'm telling you, this is an intense kind of encounter. And the scripture says, this is what friendship is like. This is what friendship is like. Sparks fly. Metal screams. You smell smoke. Is that what you're interested in? Honestly, a lot of people aren't. When they want friends, they're just thinking about somebody who will send them three or four emails a day with videos of of cats playing the piano. That's what they think of as friendship. That's all they're interested in. Somebody that they can talk about the weather or somebody that they can talk about a television show. Honestly, we don't often want to get much past the surface because we really are afraid of what happens when we get past the surface. But real friends do that. Real friends let one another into their lives. Real friends begin to reveal those rough edges. Real friends come together in such a way where it's not just you get beneath the surface, you grind the surface away until something new begins to be revealed. Real friends make each other better. One of my best friends of my life is still one of my best friends. His name is Johnny Carr. He lives in Augusta, Georgia now. Johnny and I used to, used to do music together when I was in college. I sang and he played keyboards and nearly everything else. He was an amazing musician. 
One night we were actually doing a concert on stage and, and there was a crowd there, not a big crowd. <laughs> we were never the Rolling Stones or, or, or anybody, but there were people there. And this is the point. We're on stage with people watching us. And I was singing a song and I was singing, and I sang, and then it got to a place in the music where I stopped singing and he was going to play a minute like an interlude. So Johnny was just jamming and I, was, I looked back to make eye contact with him. You know, I looked back to see him. And when I made eye contact with Johnny, he did this with his head. Like, come here, come here. We're on stage, there are people watching, the music's playing, Johnny never misses a note. I, I stepped back because he wanted me close, and, you know, come here. So I get back there, and I, I lean in. I said, what is it? He said, he's playing piano, is my nose clean? <laughs> I'm not kidding. Is my nose clean? We're on a stage of people, and he's doing this. He wants me to look up there. He's leaning, he wants me to look up his nose into his nostrils and see if there's a bat in the cave. Do you understand? This is what he's asking me to do. So there are two things there in this very intimate exchange in front of people. I'm supposed to be willing to look up there and see what I can see, which I promise you I don't want to see. I'm supposed to look up there. At the same time, I'm supposed to report back what I find in front of people. And honestly... That's what makes Johnny such a good friend. If you've got a friend like that, if you've got a friend that you can say, hey, do I have a bat in the cave? If you've got a friend like that, if you've got somebody that really you can trust and you don't have to hide from, a friend that you understand has your best interest in mind, a friend that will tell you what needs to be told to you. If you have a friend who actually makes you better than you have a friend, this is what Scripture says. It's like iron sharpening iron. Do you understand that? Iron and iron. In other words, we're talking about two strong people here. The verse does not say, as one marshmallow sharpens another marshmallow, that, and one bowl of jello sharpens another bowl. No, we're talking about strength here. Two strong people coming together. Some of us struggle in relationships because honestly, we don't have a lot of personal strength because we don't have the first relationship in place, our relationship with God. When God's love comes in and begins to transform us, we become people of strength and people who can sustain this kind of real friendship. We're talking about strength here, strength and strength, iron sharpening iron. But of course, the, the, the truth is none of us have the same strengths. I have my strengths, my friend will have his strengths, but we don't share the same strengths. That's why God brings us together. God will bring friends into your life that can help in the process of making you to be the man, the woman God wants you to be. It's not about socialization, it's about sanctification. It's about God's process of changing you, polishing off your rough edges, giving you strength where right now you have weakness. And God will use your friends to do that if you choose your friends well and if you will be this kind of friend. When you're faced with the choice of who you're going to let influence your life, when you're choosing your friends or selecting those, they're going to have this kind of power over you. You've got to choose wisely. You've got to choose well. Because your friends are going to influence you. They're going to change you. And the biblical ideal is like iron 
sharpening iron, like tools in God's hands. And somehow by my friendship with you, we make each other better, stronger, better suited for doing God's purposes. Like iron, sharpening iron, the scripture says. And look back, same chapter, verse 6. This one's tough. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6. Wounds from a sincere friend. Now stop, wounds. We're still talking about friendship. You wanted to draw rainbows and stars and hearts and, and, and put little stickers on the Bible page. We're talking about friendship. But this is what the scriptures say about real friendship. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Friendship is not necessarily for people who aren't strong enough to take it. And this is where friendship gets real and where friendship gets difficult. Because sometimes a friend can wound you and they're doing you a favor. Understand that? They may wound you and it's better than a thousand kisses from a thousand people who don't care anything about you. Sometimes people who love you best and love you most are going to have to say the things nobody else wants to say. Ever watch American Idol? Why do you watch American Idol? Why do you love especially those first few weeks of it? Why? There's really one reason. It's not for the talent because early on there's not a lot of talent. Why, why do you watch Simon? You don't like Simon very well, and I don't particularly like Simon a lot either, but there's something about him. He makes that show what it is. What is it about Simon? When you hear people describe him, what is it about him? He says what everybody else is thinking. He will say what everybody else is only thinking. Now let that sink in. I saw a lady trying out for American Idol once on one of those early, early shows. And she comes in, and boy, I tell you, she's all decked out in her clothes. And she is telling you how she's going to be a star. And she pops in there. She slides in there in front of the judges. And she says, I'm going to sing Midnight Train to Georgia by Gladys Knight and the Pips. And they said, okay, go ahead. And then she starts singing. And it's horrible. It's horrible. And you can tell she thinks she's good. Oh, 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 oh. And then what happens? You have three judges, and two of them will say, yo, dog, that was pretty good. That, that was pretty good. They can say that. They don't have to tell the truth. Why? Because Simon's going to speak last, and he's going to he's gonna say what everybody else is thinking. And what will he say? That particular night, he said, you should not be singing. You should not be singing. That was awful. That was awful. You should not be singing. You're terrible. And she leaves in tears. And here's the thing. She walks out the door, and Ryan Seacrest is there to put a microphone in her face. And you know what she said? I don't care what he says. I know I can sing. Everybody's always told me I could sing. Ding, 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 ding. Did you hear that? Everybody's always told me I could sing. This poor woman doesn't have a friend in the world. Somebody, somewhere along the way, needed to say, listen, girl, you can't sing. Why in the world did they put her on the bus and send her to Hollywood? Why did they put her on national TV to find a stranger, a very, very rude, unloving British guy who's going to tell her the truth? Why does she have to go so far to find somebody to tell her what everybody's been thinking the whole time? This is what a friend does. 
that. And listen to me, if you have a friend like that, a friend who has the courage to tell you the truth, then you've got a true friend. Now, that doesn't mean that all your friends ever do is run you down. That's not a true friend. It's not that a friend just sits back and points out your faults. Nobody needs that all the time. But I need it when I need it. And a friend always knows what to say and when to say it. That's a real friend. That's a real friend. And yes, sometimes it hurts. It hurts to hear what you really don't want to hear. But if anybody loves you, they've got to say it sometimes. Sometimes a friend has to say what needs to be said. If you don't have a friend like this in your life, then I'm not sure you have a friend. This is friendship. This is the real deal. There's a young man named Brad who got a new job, corporation, big corporation. Turns out one of the nice things, one of his father's friends, an older man, who worked there for years and years in this business, Agreed to be Brad's mentor. He's going to mentor him. He said that we'd meet once a week for several weeks. I'll help you get started. I'll just let you know what I've learned. I'll I'll watch you. I'll listen. Give you some pointers along the way and help you improve. But Brad thinks this is great. This is great. What a great friend. A friend of my dad's and now a friend of mine. Thing is, they started meeting every week. And this older gentleman, this mentor, would sit down with Brad and and just tell it to him. Listen, this is what I see you doing. This is how I think you could be better. This is how you can grow. And it went on week after week after week. And week after week, it got harder and harder for Brad to hear. And it got to where he couldn't even disguise the fact that he was starting to bristle. When this older man, this mentor, would start telling him the truth and helping him understand how he could be better, Brad would just bristle. He'd get redder and redder and madder and madder. Till one day, at the end of the hour, the mentor looked at Brad and said, Listen, listen to me, Brad. I've been a friend of your father's for years. I've known you all your life. And I'm a friend of yours. And you should know that. When I tell you the truth about your job performance, it's really not about my feelings for you, and it shouldn't be about our friendship. And you've really got to get over this really bad problem you have of injecting your feelings in everything I say to you. Do you ever do that? You ever inject your feelings into everything somebody says to you? Always the friendship is somehow on trial. If someone makes you mad, if someone tells you the truth, if someone is just trying to help you out, but somehow that offends you, the friendship is over, are you like that ever? Because honestly, a a real friendship isn't one of those where you have to walk on eggshells. A real friendship isn't such a thing where you always have to constantly walk around one another's feelings because the feelings are secure, the feelings are, are certain, the feelings are foundational. That's real friendship. Friends come and go, the Bible says, and you know that's true. But there's a kind of friend that's going to stick with you like family. Honestly, I want to have that friend, but, but just as importantly, I want to be that friend. I want to be that friend. Four out of ten people come to church and they say, you know, it's not Jesus that I've walked away from, it, it, it's the people. It's the people. They're hypocrites, they say. They, they, they lie. They, 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 they mistreated me. They, they did not love me. I don't want anything to do with the church people. I can find Jesus on my own. That should keep us awake at night, brothers and sisters. Call it fellowship. 
Call it friendship, but it better be genuine. Fact of the matter is, people will continue to attend a church where the preaching is horrible. They will attend a church where the preaching is horrible. People will attend a church where there's music in a style they don't even appreciate. They'll sit through all kinds of music. It doesn't even have to be their style. People will continue to go to a church where they don't necessarily enjoy the music. But you know what? They just can't bear to go to a church where they can't find at least one or two real friends. That's nearly unbearable. We are the body of Christ. We have a message to proclaim to the world that they can find a friend, a real friend, a saving, gracious, forgiving friend in Jesus. But they will never believe us until they can also find a friend in us. When we are able to promise and deliver that kind of friendship, real friendship, the real love of Christ, brothers and sisters, at that point, the church of Jesus becomes unstoppable. Unstoppable. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us. Help us. Lord, today in every worship service, today in every one of our meetings, there will be people gathered here who are lonely and who need friends. And we can't always tell who that lonely person is, Lord. We all have a pretty good way of putting on a pretty good face when we get together. But, Lord, inside, our hearts just long to be connected, connected to something other than ourselves. We want to connect with you, oh God. We were born to connect with you, to be loved by you, but then to share that love with others. God, today I pray that you would help us to take off the mask, to begin to reveal the rough edges so that we can, like iron sharpens iron, be genuine, genuine friends together. God, we promise a lot of food and fun and fellowship around here. There's quite a bit of food. There's some fun. But, Lord, we may be lacking in genuine fellowship. Help us, Lord. Help us to know you, to love you, and then to turn around and learn to know and love each other as true friends. In Jesus' name, amen.